0: I sing to you. Welcome to the Indisputable Podcast.
1: Where we shoot the shit about indie music that has come out in 2018.
0: My name is Travis Carlisle.
1: And I'm Michelle Evanant. You don't exist.
0: I sing to you though. Hi. Hello.
1: How are you? I'm
0: good, thanks. How are you? Eh.
1: I'm... Yeah, I'm good. Uh... Actually I should say I'm well, my friend's dad used to, like every time he asked me how I was, I would say I'm good thanks, and then he would say, are you good though Michelle? Are you? And now every time I accidentally say I'm good, I can't help but think, no, no, actually I'm well. But if you say I'm well thanks, you kind of sound like a grandparent. Anyway, all things considered, my life could be worse. What are we reviewing today Trav?
0: Uh, today we are reviewing Mount Airy's 2018 album, Now Only. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: You should uh, stop wriggling because it's gonna make a noise in the background. It's fine. Okay. My name is Travis and I, I just want to wriggle. That's all I want to do. I like wriggling. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, Trav, uh, why are we listening to this?
0: Um, I think probably because you've never listened to Mount Airy before and to listen to an album that's about the death of your beloved wife would be a abrupt way to start things so starting the year after that is probably the best thing for listening to one of the best singer songwriters i guess at the moment
1: yeah. so i guess this would be a good time to talk about the fact that mount eerie released uh, the album i think it's called a crow looked at me yes
0: a crow looked at me
1: I always forget whether it's A Crow Looked At Me or The Crow Looked At Me. No, it's A Crow Looked At Me. me. A Crow Looked At Me. (laughs) Um, They released it last year, and you actually told me about it. And we um, discussed whether or not we were going to review it. But because A Crow Looked At Me essentially is um, Mount Aries like eulogy to its wife. It just felt inappropriate doing anything we would loosely term a review on that.
0: No, yeah, I don't feel like... I, at the time there were a lot of people debating if you could even review um, that album. A lot of publications gave it their album of the year and things like that, because yeah, it's incredible. But I didn't feel like it should be something that was reviewed. Um, it's, it's this guy, it's his coping mechanism. It's his yeah. way of dealing with the savage trauma that befell his life.
1: Yeah, it also just feels, I mean, I think we, in our podcast, we just kind of talk about music. So Mm. that's fine. But yeah, I think if we had like a review site that gave, um, albums like ratings out of 10, uh, which a lot of sites do like, it would feel very inappropriate. Also, it also kind of feels inappropriate calling that the album of the year, because it's just like, you can't really compete with the gravitas of death
0: hey my wife died
1: yeah so it kind of just like i mean it is musically fantastic but it's also very difficult to evaluate it and compare it to other albums because it's about something so um yeah so heavy that like it just kind of places it in a different category
0: sure i think like musically if you had to look at it as a musical piece of work and not as like a a grievance device, I guess. Yeah, it was a stellar piece of music and a stellar yeah. collection of music. So, on one hand, I feel like yeah, sure, give it album of the year because it's this guy's livelihood; it's what he does for a living. Yeah. But to call that only an album, I think, is a bit grave and it undersells what a monumental piece of work that was.
1: Yeah. But anyway, yeah, we felt inapro- We felt that it was inappropriate to do a quote-unquote review of that album because mm. it's. It's a eulogy in album form. Yes. Um, and this album now only is... It's about exactly the same subject matter.
0: Mm. It's A Crow Looked At Me Light.
1: It's... I wouldn't even call it A Crow Looked At Me Light because... The sequel. Yeah, the sequel. Because A Crow Looked At Me is like... Yeah, it's about his wife and her death. Mm. Um... It's kind of... It almost feels like a funeral of an album. A funeral in album form. And... Um, now only... It's still very much about her and about his grief. Mm. But it's more about the grieving process. So... Right. Yeah, it's... It's it's not like reviewing someone's eulogy. It's like reviewing someone's reflection on their grieving progress, blah, Grieving process, which... Um... I guess, would feel inappropriate if we were going to say anything bad about it, but I don't think we are.
0: No, I don't think so. Well, I, I don't agree with that. I think you can definitely, if you wanted to, say bad things about this. Because I feel like this this isn't so much about the death of his wife as it is about the celebration of her life. I, think I feel it's, like it's yeah, the, it's the reflection upon her life.
1: But also, it's very much about his, like, process grieving. I don't mm. know. I think um, a lot of the time, sometimes I will... Um, criticize music, because I feel that, like, the artist is wasting their talent, um, doing something that, like, isn't as good as what they're capable of, but in this case, like, for me, I, it's this, um, album subject matter, and he's dealing with it in such a, like, he's revealing such a personal side of himself that, like, it's not in my nature, like, with something so deeply personal and it's not in my nature to say anything but like you do you and like do what helps you and as it so happens, I think this is just a really, really beautiful and moving and incredible piece of art. So I don't have anything bad to say about it. So I don't have to think about that ethical question in this instance.
0: Sure, I feel like uh, whatever is done with this album is almost like spiritual on certain levels. It, it's an extremely, like you said, moving, a very, very moving collection of music. What I mean, says it's really profound for people to listen to. Um, he's, if you listen through, or even just read the description of the album that is drilled out on wherever you get your music from, um, it's all about um, him seeing life and seeing um, his life progress after the death of his wife through different, like, almost, like, microcosms of, like, little interactions that happen. Yeah. So I mentioned him talking about writing uh, songs and music with um, a whole bunch of different people on Skrillex's tour bus. Um, and, like, just little profound happenings. Um, seeing life after death, I guess. Um, yeah. And that kind of as a vehicle for, like, song creation, I guess.
1: But it's also kind of, like... Yeah, I think, I mean, we, maybe it's, it seems like we kind of, like, heard different things because, um, for me, I didn't really, like, experience this album as, like, lighter or less sad than the previous album. Um, and for me, like, what I noticed was it felt like, not like little bits of life, but, like, juxtaposing the absurdity of life with what it feels like when you are grieving an untimely death, which is, yeah like it just it's just like yeah like in the song Now Only which you just mentioned and which we'll talk about later in this podcast he talks about like making this album about his wife and her death Mm. and then being invited to play that album at a music festival to a bunch of young people on drugs and then hang out with Skrillex like yeah it's and it's just this like you know, this album is something, like, so deeply personal and heart-wrenching and being... and But because it's a musical album, it's put into such a frivolous setting by comparison, so... Yeah, and, like, when you're in grief, like, daily life does seem absurd.
0: Sure. And no, definitely. Definitely.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah, something that I do want to say about, uh, like the why are we listening to this question is so as I said I'm listening to this because you recommended it to me and I have not heard of Mount Erie before you told me about them um because you are my pipeline to the outside world apparently (laughs) but yeah I listened through his discography and to be honest like um all the albums before Corey looked at me like i like them like i would say i would just put them in the category of like progressive spoken word mm. rock music kind of like akin to car seat headrest i well it reminded me of car seat headrest um
0: because it's like story driven
1: yeah story driven narrative yeah a little bit sure i get that a little bit like lo-fi and grungy in places okay yeah um and then, yeah, crow looks at me and now only just like, um, I think because of like the emotional content of the lyrics, just like mm. took that music to a completely new level for me. And that's, those are the albums that, yeah, really make this artist stand out to me. No, of course, like yeah. these,
0: these will, will forever go down. I, I think yeah. anyone can safely say as um, his defining works. Yeah, because um, everyone worked with like Father John Misty and a whole bunch of yeah. people who are also mentioned on that song, I guess. Yeah.
1: And I think it's really something, it's quite something to behold when you think about it, you know, like, death is something that a lot of musicians write about. Mm. Um, Untimely death is something that a lot of musicians write about and yet this album like, it still like really sticks out to me um they're
0: like three albums or two other albums that like went through my head when i was listening to now only Uh the first one that i thought of like immediately when um i listened to it and also a little bit i guess for a crow looked at me is uh rooms of the house
1: oh yeah like yeah. just
0: popped out yeah. but also i that don't know storytelling yeah no it's very loud dispute. like very 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 akin to their music um also i guess because it's like narrative driven yeah but um, hospice by Antlers. Oh yeah, um, with all those retellings of death and dying and watching yeah. something whistle away. Yeah, um, I I don't know. I heard a lot of Antlers, especially in like gentle, like chord progressions and stuff like yeah. that.
1: Actually, I that Antlers I, yeah. delves
0: in quite a lot. Um, I
1: can see that comparison. Yeah. To me. um I think that this is the single most emotionally affecting piece of media I have ever consumed in my life, um, and in my mind, like a crow looked at me, and now only are kind of like two. Um, what would you call it? Like two volumes of the same body of work. Sure. Like uh, two
0: collect two volumes from the same collection, I guess.
1: Like a geology i guess you could call it um just because yeah they it's like the same event that they're discussing and the only difference between the two albums is a little bit of time has passed um i forgot my coffee travis is going to fetch his coffee right now um (laughs) Where's your coffee? Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, and like before I'd listened to these two albums, the most emotionally affecting piece of media I had consumed, which is not an obvious comparison to this album, was the novel Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Ishiguro, which, um, yeah, like, occupies the same space in my mind as this album because it essentially covers the idea of life as extremely cruel and often feeling very futile and unfair and in something that just feels so like obtusely unfair it's it's difficult to find any rhyme or reason or willingness to to carry on yeah um so with that said if you were to elevator pitch this album travis how would you go about that
0: i always do this elevator pitch first no you go first
1: okay um cue music see if we can find some sad elevator music because what we usually use is not going to feel appropriate here
0: i'll just find a normal one but one that's like an organ instead and that'll fulfill the same effect
1: that would actually be pretty good if you could find that Mm.
0: um cue the organs
1: elevator pitch so basically there was this musician and he had a wife whom he loved very much and they had a baby together and then within a year and a half of that baby being born that uh mother and this man's beloved wife died of cancer and this man made an album, A Crow Looked At Me, which was essentially a eulogy in album form, and then he made another album called Now Only, which kind of is a sequel to that album and reflects more on his grieving process, but both of them are probably the saddest pieces of media that you will ever consume, but they are also some of the most brilliant pieces of media that you will ever consume.
0: The longest elevator pitch ever made
1: Maybe like a Burj Khalifa elevator pitch Anyway, what would your elevator pitch for this be?
0: Um, my elevator pitch would be um, Singer-songwriter man who creates wonderful narrative driven music uh, Continues in his usual style now dealing with becoming a single dad in the days after his wife dies of cancer. Something like that.
1: Yeah. Um, so let's go into a happier corner, I think, which is the trivia corner. Mm. And you can
0: go first since you stole my fucking idea.
1: I didn't steal your fact. I technically found my fact before you found it. Nee, 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 nee. Anyway, so Phil. Elverim, is that his yes. surname? It's an obscure surname, so I sometimes um, forget obscure surnames. Phil Elverim, um recently actually got married to Michelle Williams.
0: Hmm.
1: Yeah, the um, U.S. American actor. And Michelle Williams was actually married to good old Heath Ledger and had a child with heath ledger (laughs) and heath ledger died when um his child was also a baby so michelle williams has also experienced like um the loss of a co-parent and the yeah and like having suddenly being a single parent bringing up a very young child so i think that it makes me happy, and and like they've both commented that they're very happy together, hmm. and I think it, it makes me happy that they found each other, because I think when you go through something awful, finding somebody else who has gone through something awful that's very similar to, or similar in some ways at least, to what you went through can help you go through it, and um, yeah, I think it's always nice to have new family members if they're nice people, so... Sure. Yeah. I wish them all the best. Hmm. They seem happy from what they've said to the they media. Do. So that's a nice thing to think of. Yay. What's your trivia fact?
0: Uh, my trivia fact would be that um, Ms. Williams and Mr. Elverham uh, frequent like anti-gun rallies and campaign against stuff like that together, which is quite cool. It's or- always
1: nice when the musicians you like share some of your political beliefs. Uh,
0: yeah, it was quite...
1: Yeah, it's like a double fandom. Yeah. Cool. Okay, high notes and low notes, Trav.
0: Um, a high note for me is that, I guess in this album, um, yeah, I kind of, I agreed a lot with what you said. Like, the releases that um, Mount Airy had before A Crow looked at me, I didn't find to be quite as compelling. I mean, I guess that's like comparing anyone's crowning achievement with everything else they've done. Um, I enjoyed his previous work, but a high note for me is that um, now only is every bit as good of an album as a crow looks at me um, I re- like I, I just find the songwriting like before it was all underpinned in the the death the slow death of his partner um, from something as tremendously horrible as cancer um, so literally watching your partner die and he, deals with that in a crow looks at me um but listening to now only yeah it's still about the tragic death of his wife um but it's all grounded in these little moments that he experiences these little um sort of unravelings of events um and i I found that really compelling to listen to and really really awesome to uh like sit back and enjoy Yeah. yeah so that was a definite high note for me
1: My high note is that I just find the lyricism and his, yeah, like, um, yeah, the musical style I think is very unique and I find that very inspirational, so from a, um, from a literary perspective, the thing that I like about the lyrics are that he really is just spoken word rambling and kind of telling stories and he's um speaking to his uh late wife and they're sort of i don't want to use the word mundane because
0: they're almost inconsequential i guess
1: yeah like he's not um yeah i don't think he talks about things like their wedding day or like the cliche moment that couples talk about, like when I found out that you were pregnant, OMG, like he talks about like, you know, like going traveling somewhere as a scatterbrained early twenties, apparently pretty privileged kid. And like not really knowing what he's doing with his life and then receiving a letter from her and like, coming home and them getting together and kind of, like, from that moment onward, suddenly feeling like his life had more meaning and more value, like, and, yeah, things that are, are kind of difficult to, yeah, to really encapsulate because they're not traditionally poetic. You can't really express how meaningful they are in, like, a nicely, neatly rhyming couplet. So I think, yeah, just sort of like finding the, um, the piercing and the mundane, really, and also the um, musical style of that. So it's kind of like rounding spoken word, but he's also like half singing it. Um, yeah i really like that um it's it's a very unique style both musically and lyrically and yeah i mean it it feels so exciting for it to be 2018 and to be discovering something that feels almost like a new art form or like an art form that can still be feel so unique like in this day and age so that's exciting um low notes
0: Yeah, do you have any
1: um yes so um let me start by saying that um yeah (laughs) where to start so we have been together for just over six years now and something that i've noticed about being in a relationship like when If you're in your 20s, six years feels like a really long time. Um, And something that I've noticed about being in a relationship that's gone on this long is that um, pieces of popular media feel like they're becoming less and less relevant, right? Love songs are all about that sort of like, just met this person rush of hormones or they're about like breakups and fighting or like cutesy new relationship things. Um, but it feels like the longer we're together there's like a decreasing amount of media that feels um, like it really strikes a relatable note about our relationships because relationships um, start to take a different shape in your mind and your life as you get older (laughs) Um, I mean, and as you've been together for a longer time But this album (laughs) um, reminded me of us because it talks about like loving someone and having a mundane but wonderful life with them and growing up with someone, you know. He met this person when he was in his early 20s and they were together for a long time, like, and yeah, like, it feels like we met each other when we were a lot younger, like, than we are now. But the the downside of that is, yeah, that because this album is one of the few pieces of media that like genuinely reminds me of my own relationship in a good way, it also scares the living daylights out of me, because obviously it forces me to think of like, fuck, how horrifying would it be if one of us died? And so (laughs) the low note for me is... I can't listen to this without, like, just feeling terrified, um, of what would happen if I lost you, basically. Yeah, (laughs) um, yeah. (laughs) So, uh, do you have any low notes?
0: Um, my low note for this album would just be that, I guess, you, it's not really an any time of the day album. Um, You need to be in a very specific mood and have a specific amount of time set aside to listen to this album. Um, This isn't really an album you can stop and start. It's not an album you can listen to in bite-sized chunks or flick between songs on. Um, Or maybe you can. Maybe I'm being too picky with that. But I feel like you have to have like time and emotional energy set aside to listen to this album. Don't even know if that is a low note. It's just something to consider, I guess.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's it's like something that you really like, but there's also like there are obstacles to enjoying it. Right. So, um, when will you listen to it then?
0: Um, not very often, if I'm honest. Uh, I guess if I'm feeling like reflective or I'm wanting to oh I don't even know I feel like this is very reflective album so if I'm maybe like wanting to listen to music and read a book at the same time or something like that I would probably use
1: it then yeah I think yeah I'm not sure like how many times in my life I'm actually going to listen to this as brilliant as it is just because it really does make me feel like so sad and so like i don't want to say scared but like just struck with like the realization of it kind of just makes life feel very precarious um and that's kind of a scary feeling um i guess i might listen to this album like, if I'm in a space where I want to, like, tap into how grateful I am for our relationship, because, yeah, like, and how grateful I am for, like, having that nice relationship, um, with someone who is, uh, still living, so, yeah, um, that would be when I would listen to this, but, at this point, I can't say when that might be because really it does take a lot of emotional energy to listen to this album. Um, but I do think I might listen to the tracks like individually because yeah, like uh, listening to some of this music for a shorter space of time, would, like be less draining, take up less energy. <laughs> um, so with that said, uh, what would be your so-called mixtape track?
0: Um, I'm not sure. Um... Which one is it? The Skrillex on the back on the first yeah, one, definitely. The distortion. Track. I mean, now only. Now only. Yeah. Yeah, the two that I I would probably pick one of two, either that. Um, I'm not a fan of putting title tracks on mixtapes because that's too boring and easy. Um.
1: Although this album doesn't follow the traditional album structure, you know, like this yeah. is not this title track. Unlike most title tracks, is not the opening track and also not a single. Yes. So.
0: Uh, yeah. the, sing- the single for the album was D- distortion and distortion or something what is it
1: Jeep because it was a single from this album yeah <laughs> wow
0: you can see on your apple music if you open your phone
1: um i don't know if i
0: the one with the star next to it the oh it one. is distortion Distortion. Yeah. yeah i i enjoyed distortion as well for much the same reasons as anyone will enjoy any song on this like narrative structure stories beautiful beautiful I really like the instrumentation on this album. It's extremely minimalist most of the time, but really, really befitting of what happens. Um, there are like yeah. peaks and troughs without uh, or throughout. Um, and it just it, it fits.
1: Is it silly to say that the instrumental on this album kind of reminded me of um, Fleet Fox's 2017 album?
0: No, I don't think so.
1: Yeah. Cause that's yeah it's kind of what it reminded me of sure. the like guitar strumming the moody mm. like guitar pick work mm. yeah um yeah my mixtape track would be now only because it's got this like very like sardonic like happy sounding chorus mm. um but it yeah like It's just a very good, like, encapsulation, I think, of the album.
0: It it, it really is. It is a gorgeous encapsulation of it.
1: And it's quite a feat, I think, to be able to, like, have a, like, sardonic chorus like that without feeling like it's mocking the subject matter. Like, because it really encapsulates, like, how difficult it is to really, um, shake off the kind of realization of mortality i guess once it really comes and sits in your house right yeah um yeah
0: would you skip anything on this album no not me too i i feel like that's a dead one it's It's not
1: really an album i think like
0: you you can't skip anything in this some
1: yeah skip track albums are for albums that aren't concept albums right and this is this is a concept album so some albums we don't have a skip track and it's we generally don't have skip tracks for concept albums car seat headrests uh twin fantasy was also a concept album so we also didn't have a skip track
0: yeah for much the same reasons yeah it's literally it's like choosing to leave out a chapter in a book
1: yeah and um i do also want to say that this album does kind of Feel like listening to a musical audiobook in some ways. I
0: felt like it was a such a radio drama.
1: <laughs> yeah, the narrative style feels like a like a sort of a poetic mm. audiobook. Yeah, very yeah. much so. Um Yeah, so is there anything else that you would like to say about this album? Good music. Yeah. Yeah. I think Please yeah. hold up. There's no coffee in it, but you're right. Knowing me, I'll probably spill it. <laughs> um, yeah, I think that, um, this, um, album as a piece of media, like, really made me think in a way that I don't often think about how, like, um, just... How godless and unfair, like, existence feels sometimes, like, how random it feels sometimes the people that get to live and the people that don't get to live, and, like, how out of control you are, and, like, how, like, there is nobody weighing whether or not you want them to be around and how much they mean and how important their life is, um, yeah, like, it's very existential, I guess, um, yeah so but like in an age where like existentialism has come like become like played out to the point of almost being edgy like well not almost being edgy existentialism has become like an edgy gimmick so like i guess (laughs) yeah this album almost like breathes some new horror into existentialism really um but yeah like as much as i've i've said like how um awful it makes me feel it really is beautiful
0: yeah if i were if i was to add something actually profound to this well, the first time i listened to this album i actually thought well i felt like i felt the first time i read waiting for godot how
1: so
0: um like in godot godot however people want to say it uh, in waiting for godot like um it's basically a play in which not much happens and you don't you never really know where things are going what's going to happen and what the the meaning of anything that happens is it's Mm. it's peak existentialism it's from the early 1900s for fuck's sake
1: yeah
0: um and listening to this for the first time it's almost scatterbrained events um with no real meaning in these isolated events apart from the person who's telling the story apart from the person who's creating this narrative and sort of saying what meaning they can derive after the death of their wife and how meaningful x y and z is yeah in in the grander scheme of what has happened and also
1: meaning kind of seems to fall apart when something that like unfair happens
0: right and also meaning like one of the key things in existentialist literature i guess is that meaning is completely driven by what you find in it yeah and this whole album or these two albums is this man trying to find meaning in his life after what has happened to him
1: yeah and also like something that kind of just occurs that just occurred to me is that like a big element of this is the fact that like he's got to deal with birth and death at the same time like Mm. he has this like one and a half year old baby and like that is like an exciting time of new life for most parents, but he's also dealing with death and like how just like absurd everything seems if you've got to like put those two events side by side right. and like almost like roll them into one. It's like,
0: yeah, the duality of it. Oh,
1: yeah, it's yeah. Um, so yeah, what you said about waiting for Godot, I think it also like the reason it reminds me of Never Let Me Go by Kazuo Shiguro mm. is that. Yeah, so spoilers alert, but like, Never Let Me Go is about, basically about, um, these clone children who are raised, basically, so that their organs can be harvested from their, like, clone originals, um, and it's the stories of these children, like, growing up and developing, like, senses of self, and falling in love with one another, and then, you know, like trying to see if they can find a way to be allowed to live but they're just not because no one thinks that they're humans and yeah that sense of like almost surrealistic cruelty yeah sort of like what what is even the point like like who who dreamed up this this hellscape yeah i feel like we've kind of said everything we could let's talk about which album we will be reviewing in our next episode
0: Um, what album is that Michelle
1: so um, please void make sure that neither of us gets the flu again before we record the next episode um, so that it won't get delayed again but I think that will be unknown mortal orchestra Mm -hmm. sex and food yeah or just wait for our next episode who knows when that'll be we might get sick in the intervening time air pollution season. that's oh, how you like air it, pollution season oh yeah anyway um yeah um goodbye have a good have a good 24 hour period um hold your loved ones close and um yeah, we'll talk to you when we talk to you.
0: But in this child's crow dream, you
1: survive. Beneath layers of magical, symbolic, wild animals inhabiting the edges of our fogged over consciousness grasping for something.